Will you join me for prayer? Holy and gracious Father, we are in your hands. There is no better place to be. We ask in your mercy and in your grace that you would send your Holy Spirit now to take my feeble words and make them your words. That you would give us faith, Lord. That you would sustain our faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When reading the Bible, one cannot help but realize that there are remarkable passages in Holy Scripture. Now, some of these remarkable passages we ignore, but there are others that grab us, that speak deeply to us, that we memorize and we hold dear to us. The confirmation students, two of which couldn't be here today, who are being confirmed, have chosen wonderful verses. I got a testimony from that. They said amen right there. <laughs> Jesse's verse is Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Katie's verse is Psalm 23.1. The Lord is my shepherd. And you know this, I shall not want. want. It's, that's one of those verses. Nick's verse is Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Another one of those verses that grab you. Aaron's verse, Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Or Matt's verse, Revelation 2.10. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. These are wonderful verses. These are verses that, that tell us and remind us of God's graciousness, that God is with us even in the midst of trial. These are verses that can even put us together when we find ourselves falling apart. Some of you know this story, but a few years ago, I received a phone call from a woman. Actually, she's a caretaker of a woman. And she wanted to talk to a Lutheran pastor. And so I said, yeah, I'll come over and visit her. She's in a convalescent home. And the problem that she had was I asked her, what's the matter? And she said, oh, pastor, I've lost my faith. I said, well, let's go look and find it. And so then I asked her a few questions. And the first question was, were you baptized? And she said, oh, yes, in South Dakota. I said, did your parents or grandparents or aunt and uncle take you to church as a little child? And she said, oh, yes, I went to Sunday school as well. I then asked her, were you confirmed? Yes, I was. And then her eyes just lit up. She said, I even remember my confirmation verse. She's 91. And she said this verse, Psalm 91, verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Well, we talked for a while. We talked about hymns. We talked about Bible verses. And at the end of the conversation, she said, You know, Pastor, I guess I didn't lose my faith. I just sort of forgot. 
Thanks for helping me remember. Now, I love this story, and I, I will probably tell it many more times. But the reason is because this woman was undone. In 91, she was undone. She had a moment of crisis. But the word of God that, that clung to her her whole life put her back together, fixed her, caused her to remember what she'd known her whole life. That's what the word of God does. That's why we give you these confirmation verses to hold on to, to memorize, to hold them deep within your heart. And not just these verses. We hope, my prayer is that you'd learn many, many verses that can do this. How many of you have such verses that help put you together when times are tough? We all do. You're not raising your hand, but you all do. That's what God's word does. Now, if we were to ask King David, what verses do you have that, that, that put you together? Now, he's the writer of a lot of scriptures, so he could probably pull out a lot of them. But he might say one verse in particular. He might say 2 Samuel 24, verse 14. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But let me not fall into the hand of man. Let me say that again. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But let me not fall into the hand of man. I love that verse. David, you have to remember, he's King David. As a boy, he was the very David that, that slew the giant Goliath. He then became king of Israel. He united the nation of Israel, all those tribes. He was a prolific writer. He wrote many psalms. David had it all. Good looks, strength, courage, intellect, and a deep faith. In fact, God even said about David that David was a man after God's own heart. He had it all. But he was a man. He was a saint and sinner. He had his problems. We know about David stealing another man's wife and having her husband murdered. We know about David messing up his whole family, which caused a civil war to happen within his own nation. And this morning we read about a time when he took a census of the military, when he had his troops counted. And the number came back that he had 1.3 million men ready to fight for him. Pretty impressive. Now you might wonder though, what's so bad about a census? I mean, it seems to be pretty prudent to know how many forces you have. If you're going to go into a battle, you want to know how many troops you have. If the other army has 200,000, it's nice to know you have 1.3 million. That's a good thing to know. You can weigh the costs. You can count what kind of sacrifices you will make. Hey, maybe we'll lose 200,000, but that means I have 1.1 million left. Right? All military commanders do this. And yet for David, he got in trouble for this. Why? Does God not like strategy? No, that's not it. You have to remember with David... His whole life was never about numbers. With David, 
God always called him to do what was impossible. If David added up the cost, if he counted things, he would have never faced Goliath. Because there's no way a young boy can defeat a seasoned giant. It doesn't happen. If David had counted the costs, he would have never even entered many of the military battles when he was a young man. For David, his whole life was never about counting the costs. His whole life, his whole success was never about his own strength. His success was about God's might, God's strength, God's grace, God's deliverance. In fact, David is the one who told us in Psalm 18, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. In fact, a little later, he said in that same psalm, With the Lord, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can jump over a wall. I love that verse. That's one of my favorite ones. David's whole life, his whole success wasn't about him. It was about God. So for him to take a census, to know how many men he had, instantly shifted his power, his strength, from God to himself. And that was a problem. Because David's whole life was a testimony about God's strength, not his own. And so God has to rebuke David. And the prophet came up to David. And if you're ever reading about David... <laughs> Whenever a prophet shows up, you know he's going to be in trouble. <laughs> I mean, you think it's bad when I'm sometimes visiting people at their houses. I knock on the door and they go, <gasps> what did I do? Or in the hospital, I sometimes when I visit people at the hospital, they say, wait, I'm feeling a lot better than this. <laughs> when a prophet shows up on David's doorsteps, you know there's trouble. And so the prophet of the Lord says, David, you have three options. You can suffer at the hand of nature. You can suffer at the hand of humans. Or you can suffer at the hand of God. Choose wisely, David. Well, one never really wants to battle nature. Nature can get you in so many different ways, right? Get you with fire, wind, an earthquake, hail. I mean, you don't, you don't want to mess, a flood, you don't want to mess with nature. How about enemies? You know, David had a big army, but you don't really want to mess with your enemies either. I imagine Goliath's family would sure love to have David with them for 10 minutes. Or there's a third option. David could suffer at the hand of God. And that's what he chose. Now, this might not seem like a good choice. I mean, God can smite a person. I mean, that's the Old Testament. Like, I mean, God can smite a person. You really want to be under the hand of God? I mean, God created nature. 
You really want to be under the hand of God? And David's answer is, yes. Even though God is more powerful than nature and his enemies, God is also more gracious, more merciful. I mean, you've heard that saying, don't mess with Mother Nature. Mother Nature is not merciful, but God is. And let me illustrate it this way. All of you growing up, when you were growing up, if you got in a fight with the, your next door neighbor's kid, and you got in a fight and you pummeled him really good, I'm not advising you to do that. I'm just, <laughs> if you did that, and it was totally your fault, you started it, you ended it, and you did everything in the middle of it. Now, who would you rather have punish you? Would you rather have your father punish you? Or that child's father? Now you might be going, well, if that child's father is a pacifist, I might want him. <laughs> but who would you rather have? Would you rather have your father, who's not going to abuse you, though will punish or someone who's mad and might go beyond punishment. Which one would you rather have? You'd rather have your dad. If your dad's a good man, I mean, obviously there's, but you'd rather have your dad, right? Because there's restraint, there's, there's mercy there. There's a limit. That's what David is choosing. He's saying, let us fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercy is great. But let me not fall into the hands of man. They fall into God's hand. And this is important for all of us. Why? Because all of us have or will find ourselves in difficult situations. Situations that you brought upon yourselves. And at such times, you will think that you have sinned too much. You will think that God will never take you back. But that's not true. God is always more gracious than man. God is always more gracious than you are gracious to yourself. If you think God won't accept you, that's your thinking. Because God is always more gracious than you are. And that's what I'd love to impress upon you as confirmation students and every young person here and old person as well. God is always more gracious to you than man is. God is always more gracious to you than you are with yourself. I mean, that's the whole story of this passage. This is what David's counting on. He's saying, God, if I have any chance in this world, it's because of your mercy. His mercy. And that's the, the message for today. God is merciful. In fact, in the waters of holy baptism, you were united to Jesus. You fell into his hands of mercy. But God doesn't stop there. And mercy has given you the law to help you love God and love your neighbor. But God hasn't stopped there because he knows you can't fulfill it, so he sends Jesus to fulfill the law for you. And then God knows that you can't pray on your, without help. And so God gives you the Lord's Prayer, and his mercy tells you how to pray. And he says, start by saying, Our Father, so you would actually want to pray to God. And then God even knows we make a mess of that. And so he sends the Holy Spirit to take our prayers and our groans and our words so that we would pray to God. And yet God doesn't stop there. He knows that we sin, so he gives us confession and absolution. Why? So that we can say, God, I've sinned. And God says, I know you have. But guess what? You're forgiven. Mercy. 
And yet God doesn't stop there. He then gives us the Lord's Supper. Little bread and little wine to say how much he loves you. Now you might say, yeah, but it's only a little bread and it's only a little wine. But remember with God, numbers aren't important. It's not how big that piece of bread is or how much wine you take. Because with God, he's a merciful God and he enters into bread and wine, even a little styrofoam looking piece of bread. <laughs> and wine that can sometimes not be so good. But he enters into that. Why? To say he loves you and that you're forgiven and that he's merciful and gracious. God has to say that over and over and over and then he rises up pastors to say it to you again. Because we forget. Because with man... We are never gracious to each other. With man, we, we battle each other and we, we hold the law over each other and we say, shape up. But with God, he was always more merciful than we are. You see, it's mercy on Monday, mercy on Tuesday, mercy on Wednesday, mercy every day of the week, Every week of the month, every month of the year, and every year of your lives, God is merciful. Nick, Aaron, Matt, this is what I want you to hold on to more than anything else. God is with you. God is for you. You have fallen into the hands of God. His mercy is great. In Jesus' name, amen.